Yes, you are listening to the Double E Podcast with Ed. And Terry. Yes, uh, that was The Handful, Sons of Downtown from their latest CD, Sons of Downtown. This is their fourth album. The first one was Palm Ministry. Second one was Secondhand Smoke. Wooden Indian was uh, in 2011. Then they changed things up. And four years into making comes this one, Sons of the Downtown. Now, of the last three that they had, they've had seven chart toppers. Uh, we are lucky, fortunate. Uh, dude, we've been playing this, this whole CD this whole week. Uh, but we're really, really lucky to be having one of the co-founders of The Handful with us right now. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mark Dutta. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Hey, good. Thanks, Ed. Thanks very much, brother. Oh, man. Dude, uh, the whole album is great, man. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, I can't say enough. This this will let you know, okay, how good uh, this album is. I'm a black man, and your CD made my rotation in my car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll tell you what, I commute an hour each way to and from work and I don't listen to the radio and I used to sync my phone quite a bit and for the last three days it's been this album. Every 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 song. Every song is one of those you can listen to. Uh, oh man. So yeah, man, we're gonna get into uh, to to really learn about the handful. Now you're based out of New York, correct? Correct. All right. And the the co it's you and Jay are the co-founders. Correct. That's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Michelle and I founded the band. Yeah. Now, how did y'all meet? <laughs> Jay and I actually <clears throat> grew up a town apart, and when we were in, uh, we met in in middle school, basically. By, by us, it was called junior high school, but in seventh grade. Sort of in seventh grade band, and at, and at that time I played drums and he played trumpet, and uh, <laughs> you know it was just kind of the, the other guy in the room with the with a rock and roll t shirt on. He kind of looked across the room, <laughs> say, "Hey man, what's up?" You know? And uh, and and that was it. So Jay and I, Jay and I were friends. We were in many bands together over the years, but um, I guess we first started doing some serious gigging in the city. Uh, Towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the eighties and through the nineties, with uh, two bands we were in called Vehicle and Billy Goat's Gruff, and we played you know CBGBs, Continental Divide, all those great clubs. You know we had the advantage of being in the city, and um, we were in a few different bands together. And um, you know eventually, uh, eventually we started our own thing, which is become the handful. So. Well, I'm glad you did. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Now, you did uh, Wooden Indian in 2011. Right. Uh, Then you decided to shake things up after that. Uh, That's right, we did. What was the thought process behind that? Okay, well, you know... When Jay and I started the handful, uh, released Palmistry back in back in '04. Um, the first two records, Palmistry and Secondhand Smoke, the only musicians that are on those records are Jay and myself. So for the first two records, 
Um, Jay took care of the, was the entire rhythm section, so bass and drums, and he also played uh, organ and piano and, you know, any of the keyboard type of stuff on the first couple records. I did all the guitars and all the vocals. So that's sort of the, the genesis of the thing. And, and you know, the, the, um, some, some DJs got a hold of it, uh, a bunch of guys on, on satellite radio also. And, uh, you know, we ended up selling a bunch of them. So we decided, well, you know, it was just a studio project, but we decided to, you know, it was time to, to you know, flesh out the band and take it live. So uh, with Wooden Indian, we... Um, we started uh, we started gigging out with some local guys um, uh, that we knew and uh, did a bunch of gigs and, and recorded the Wooden Indian album with, with those guys on it. So it was still Jay and I, but there's also some guitar played by a, a local sideman and some drums played by a local sideman. And, it, you know, the, the, the record did pretty well, but, you know, it was just one of those things where it was one step at a time. So we went from it just being a studio project with Jay and I to taking it live, but using some local musicians. And then when we got time to do this record, um, we had uh, we had opened for a bunch of national touring acts and gotten to know some folks. And we decided to, to ask some of them to, to, uh, to play on the record. And... Uh, you know, one thing, one thing after the next. Um, you know, we we ended up with you know Cheetah Chrome and Pat Travers and Cherie Curry on the album, and then we also got our uh, Jay and I's favorite drummer, who's Bobby Bobby Rondinelli, <laughs> yes. who's a, a former member of Rainbow and Black Sabbath and Blue Oyster Cult, and we asked him to play on it, and and uh, we're blessed that that he did. And we had some mutual friends. We had played with Jolyn Turner a bunch of times who worked in Rainbow with Bobby. And so, you know, we were able to get in touch with him and get some of the demos into his hand. And, uh, and we we're fortunate that he agreed to play on it. Um, Jimmy Bones is, uh, we, we've known him for years just as being part of the same sort of New York scene. So Jimmy played with Joan Jett for 10 years. He also played for Blondie. And he played in Kicks, which is actually out of Baltimore. But... Oh, wow. Jimmy's a transplant. Jimmy's originally from Baltimore, and he's a New York City transplant, <laughs> although he's been here for about 20 years, uh, maybe even longer. But uh, so, uh, yeah, it just kind of went from us saying, listen, you know, we, we, um, you know we're, getting it, we're getting some airplay, we're selling a few records, but in order for these songs kind of to come out sounding the way they did in in our minds you know as, as as songwriters jay and i always have an idea what the songs we want to sound like in our head and then over the years sometimes some of it got lost in translation <laughs> um, and you know we 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 just we, we felt that the songs deserve ch- to, uh, top shelf personnel and so it took us about four years to get the record out because we needed to find the guys um, we needed them to convince them to play with us and, uh, you know, uh, write and record the record. But, um, you know, as you hear and, and, and as we feel, it, it was well worth it because this is sort of the first time where we listened to the record and the songs sound exactly how we wanted them to sound when we wrote them. You know, it's, 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 we're proud of all the other records, don't get me wrong, but um, this is really the first time where we were able to execute what we heard in our heads, and that it really has to do with the world-class personnel that appears on the album. Yeah. See, 
I, I would totally agree uh, with everything you said. With that being said, we're going to uh, play uh, a sample of uh, Gods of War, okay? This, All right, this one is, of my favorites. Yep. <laughs> Gods of War on the Double E Podcast. Gods of War, uh, by the handful off their brand new CD, The Sons of Downtown. Now, I got to ask you, there's yeah. a pro- there, 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 I'm not a musician, but I'm a huge music fan. What is the process? You, I mean, just talking to you, you made it seem like this is a passion. So, you I mean, are you in the grocery store and some of these lyrics hit your head, and then you just <laughs> run home and write them down, or how does that work? <laughs> well, yeah, for... for for me, you know, uh, everything starts with me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guitar player. I'm also the vocalist of the band. So the things start with me typically on my couch with my acoustic guitar. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll come up with, you know, I'll start playing. Sometimes the words come to you at the, at, at the same time. Typically what happens with me, though, is, is I'll come up with the... Um, you know, the, the background music, the chord progression that I want to use, and then in my head I'll kind of come up with the vocal melody. So in, order, you know, in other words, the, you know, the melody of the words that I want to sing. Mm-hmm. And then if the words don't come to me right away, I put the guitar down and walk away and just kind of let that vocal melody play in my head. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 the words themselves, the lyrics themselves, will just kind of come to me throughout the day whether or not... I'm in the car or, you know, in the shower or, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the grocery store. In the grocery store. Like store. <laughs> I, I think, it, I, yeah, for me it's important not to force it. So it typically they'll, the songs will come in pieces and I'll write, like like with the song we were just listening to, I had that guitar part. Um, I had a pretty clear vocal melody really quickly as to, you know, the the, uh, the tune of the vocals I wanted to sing. Yeah. And, and the mood of that whole thing, you know, obviously influenced the, the lyrics that I wrote, but those got written over the course of a day or two, just kind of going about my business. And, uh, 
either dictating them into my phone so I wouldn't forget or pulling up the notepad on the phone and scribbling them down really quick or writing them on the back of a receipt, you know, just just kind of however it happened. But, yeah, I try and let it happen organically like that. I find, you know, the times that I've I've sat down and said, oh, I got to finish this song or, oh, I need to write, it doesn't happen, man. It's like, you know, it's... uh, it's like a Chinese finger trap, you know, the harder you pull, the, you, you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah, try, try and let it happen organically. Well, now I can tell you, taking nothing away from the musicians on the album, your lyrics, every song, the lyrics were very, very, very good. Um, Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Everything, man. like I said before, this is just one of those, I don't own a motorcycle, okay? But if I had a bike, I could put this CD in my in my CD player and ride. I mean, it's just nice. it's just that good. I mean, nice man, so. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's important. I mean, you know, the, the songwriting process for everybody is different. But you know, for 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 some rock and roll, it you know it doesn't seem to matter. Guys are just kind of picking words that rhyme. You know, yeah. <laughs> for me, it's for me, it's a little bit more. You know, it's important to. Uh, to tell a story, and really, this this record, Sons of Downtown, is is really written about Jay and I coming of age, you know, sort of in on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and is really influenced by all of the things we we saw and did, um, you know. And in, in, in you, Jay and I lived together down there for ten years. I'm married and have kids now, and he's the same thing. But we kind of, you know, while we were getting our feet off the ground in music, we. You know, we lived on East 9th Street in, in Manhattan, and um, and uh, this, you know, the whole record is, is about those experiences and the times we had down there, and it has a lot to do with us asking the people to play on it, that appear on it, and, and you know, everything else. So uh, it's a cohesive story, and it ought to be. It, it shouldn't just be words that rhyme, although sometimes that's the case. <laughs> right. Now, have you ever presented a song to Jay and you know, you started playing it, and Jay was like, uh, "Don't ever play that again." <laughs> oh, of course, of course, and and and, and vice versa. And vice versa. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I think I think on this record, there's I think we put we there, there's 13 songs on the record. We usually record about 17 or 18, so we there's a bunch of outtakes lying around for all our records. <laughs> we we, <laughs> we generally record about 17 or 18. And I would say that there's probably, you know, 40 written for each record. And, yeah, you, you, you make cuts along the way, and it has to do with not only, you know, how good the individual songs are, but how well they, they fit together as a piece. Because we, we're not, you know, a, a lot of music, particularly pop music, is really just a bunch of singles. Uh, um, we we try and have our albums be... More have more of a cohesive narrative theme throughout, and, and kind of make sense together. So sometimes the songs get cut just because they don't fit with the others, even if they're good. Sometimes it's yeah, you know, I'll 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 play something for Jay, and he'll say, oh no no, it's exactly the same as this other thing you wrote, you know, or he'll tell uh, me, yeah. no no no, I'm not really stealing that one. And and it's back and forth like that, and we don't. You know, we're all we're both after the same thing, so, which is to make the best record possible. So we're, you know, th- there are times when one of us will say, "Listen, I, I want you to give this one another shot. Let's record it and let's see it through." And 
the song ends up making the record, and there's times where it doesn't. But, uh, yeah, that's all part of the process is keeping each other honest. And, and, and that's not just for the songwriting. I mean, that goes for the playing as well. Sometimes, you know, you know we, we, Jay and I produce all the records together. So, okay. um, you know, sometimes I'll say that's a little too much ham in there. You know, you're making things sound <laughs> small. Or he'll tell me, Mark, you know, you don't got to shred on every solo. How about you know, give me a few soulful bends here and there. And, and you know, it, it, it's fine. And we've known each other for most of our lives. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good working relationship in that sense where we're able to take each other's criticism. So. Cool. Well, here's a song that you both agreed uh, would make the album. Uh, it's <laughs> probably my favorite of the whole one. Mine also. Uh, Last Man Standing, all right, on the Double E right. podcast. And we're still gonna drive for the times we will never know. We are talking with Mark Duda. Is that correct? Did correct. I... All right. Uh, of the handful with their new CD, Sons of Downtown. Mark, I am actually um, talking to the Raiders to use that as their theme song this season. Okay. All right. <laughs> Last Man Standing. I love that, man. That's, that is, oh, God. That's, yeah, that's probably my favorite. That. Uh, next to um, uh, Gods of War. Yeah. Now yeah. I got a question. Yeah, I got a question about the artwork on the front of your your CD here. What, yeah. What, what's the uh, what, what, what's which before he says that this CD does drop August nineteenth? Is that right? I'm sorry. The CD is available August nineteenth, I believe. I'm sorry, it's a, that's September 18th. September 18th. Yeah, we knew it was one okay. or the other, so. Okay. The artwork, yeah. what, what's the inspiration behind that? Okay, so, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the songs on here are, you know, mostly mostly about our, you know, our experiences on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and whether or not it's, uh, 
the musical influences or the experiences we had had when we were down there. Um, but but the picture on there is of a subway station on the Lower East Side in the four, five, and six train. That that was our stop when we lived down there. Um, okay. Well, I thought maybe you just got a picture of me and Eddie. He's the one with the mohawk, though. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so it kind of gives you a feel for, um, you know, the neighborhood, all the different kind of influences that are on the record musically. So it's a, it's a hard, you know, street rock type of record, but it's got influences from anywhere from punk to southern rock, like you just heard on right, Last Man Standing, right. you know. Yeah. And, um, and kind of represents all that all of the rock and roll that New York was and still is musically to us. See, now why don't more rock bands do collaborations, in your opinion? Uh, in my, I'm sorry, in my, in my opinion, what? I'm having trouble hearing. Oh, uh, why don't more rock bands, like, do collaborations? You know, <laughs> It's a good question. I don't know why, but I know that, you know, with, with Jay and I, it was important for us to to, um, to collaborate with some of the folks that influenced and helped us along the way. Um, and, and I think, you know, the music scene is very competitive now, so I, I think that has something to do with it, where, you know, God forbid you acknowledge that another band that's putting out music at the same time is also good, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Everybody kind of wants to be like, well, we're the only thing going on right now that's <laughs> worthwhile, and, and you know, and, and nothing else coming out, you know, competes with us. Or, you know, that's, it's good to feel good about yourself, but, I mean, I think that uh, there's tons of great music going on, and, um, uh, I, you know, I see a lot of collaborations go on in other genres, but not so much in rock, and I think it's, it's sort of this super competitive uh environment that sometimes is you know it's not so good uh, creatively you know you people mm -hmm. tend to kind of wall themselves off and just do their own thing but um you know for us collaboration was important on the record because we uh, first of all i had a duet i can't sing both parts of that sheree <laughs> you know, uh, curry is a singer from the runaways um uh the legendary band you know with yeah John i remember Jett them and, uh, Jimmy New Joan played in her band for about 10 years, and uh, Cheetah Chrome, who mixed our album and played on it, is a member of the Dead Boys, and they were part of that whole late 70s CB scene um, in New York. And uh, so we, you know, we, in order to get the correct sounds that we wanted, we really, we wanted to ask the people um, who we heard in our head, like I was saying before. So Dree's the one I heard singing that other part, and we were blessed enough wow. to... to be able to get to get a hold of her and to have her agree to do it. And same thing went with Cheetah and you know Pat Travers is on the record and he's one of my guitar heroes. And uh, I don't know to, to me that without the collaboration, this record isn't nearly as good as it is. And uh, and I, I think that's a, that's a reason why band why rock bands should collaborate even though they don't. You know? Well, I, I'm here to tell you that you definitely it worked. It worked for you. I mean, it, it worked for this album, to, in my opinion. I mean, uh, I've right not, not heard of you guys. I've not listened to any of your music. And when Ed handed me this one, I listened to it, and it works. I mean, you know, as a musician, is there a particular song on this album that would stand out to be your favorite? 
uh, particular uh, fa- favorite uh, what musician, singer, guitar player? Or just like like one that that came out really great that you were just really excited when you heard the finished product. Oh, off of this record, you mean? Yes. Oh boy, I, you know, <laughs> I was thrilled with all of it, but I would say the most surprising one that that took me most aback was. Uh, leading you on was the first track that Cheetah from the Dead Boys played on. And um, those guys were, you know, CBGB's legends back in the 70s when, when I was too young to go to the club. But um, he was uh, was a guitar player I spent a lot of time listening to. It's a, it's a real edgy, it's got a punk feel to it. And um, it needed toughening up. It needed some sleaze added to it needed all of the things that that I had hoped Cheetah would bring to the table and uh and he delivered big time and so uh yeah you know they, they were all terrific I think I had a similar result listening to Pat Travers work on the record because I had pictured how well he might fit in but you never really know until you hear it and both of those guys really really brought their A game and uh and you know I can't thank them enough for what they did for us it's it's tremendous you know Oh man, I, I and I can understand that. Let's let's play a sample of leading you on. Okay? All right. co-founders of The Handful, Mark Dada here with us on the Double E Podcast. Hey, Mark, who is your top five guitarist? Wow, top five guitarists. Um, I know. (laughs) Right now, or you mean like top five guitar players of all time? I would say of all time, to make it harder for you. 
Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard to have any top guitar player list and not and this talk is about in... Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, I mean, I got to I got to put Stevie in there. Um, I'm a big Skinner guy, even though I'm from the north. So I throw Gary Rossington in there. I like the heavy stuff a lot, and uh, and Tony Iommi pretty much invented a lot of that. So I got to have Tony in there. Um, being being from New York and being a rocker, uh, I would be remiss not to include Ace Freely in any list of guitar players because I think Ace is just absolutely tremendous. Um, and uh, I actually listen to a lot of blues when I'm not rocking. And uh, one of my favorite blues players was Freddie King. He he didn't live a terribly long life, so he doesn't have a lot of records. But um, I, I'm a big Freddie King fan. I spent about half the day today listening to Freddie King's The Burglar album. So uh, he's on my mind right now, so we'll throw Freddie <laughs> in there also. That's in no particular order. Right, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, my, uh, my half-brother plays bass. Uh, he plays uh, blues, and he spent seven years with B.B. King. Um, uh, now he's traveling. Um, he was up in Canada. He's got his own band now, uh, Russell Jackson Band, and I believe he was on right. like yeah, he was on like podcast number six or seven that I did. But oh, yeah. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna yeah. check it out. Yeah, uh, most definitely, man. I I really do appreciate that. Did you? Yeah, I. You know, my my question is this. You, earlier, you said you uh, you have a. Uh, you're married and you have children. And, I mean, has that affected your rock? Is, is that Has that affected it? I mean, has that affected your music? Slowing you down uh, any? It, or? It's, affected, it's affected my music in the sense that I'm, I'm sober pretty much of the time. <laughs> it seems to be almost none of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's a function of both getting married and getting getting a little bit older. But, exactly. Uh, you know, I would say that... Uh, it affects the music um, in, uh, in really a good way. I mean, I'm not free every minute of every day to just jam the way I used to. But as I mentioned, you know, we, we partied all the time, too. For, so you didn't necessarily get a lot done during those jam yep. sessions. So uh, I got to pick my spots a little bit more carefully. You know, uh, my, uh, my, wife, my wife and I met when we were kids. So she was... Uh, she was uh, 16 and I was 17, and so she gets it. You know, I've always been I've always been involved in music and always been involved in bands, and she understands that um, that uh, you know that my family comes first, but that sometimes I'm not around whether I'm doing shows or recording, and uh, she's all for it. And the kids love the music too. My kids are young yet, but. Um, but they like it. They, they say, put on the CD. I want to hear Daddy sing. So, <laughs> Do they show any musical talents? Or, I mean, are they playing anything yet? I, I think, you know, I think so, to be honest with you. I've always uh, played guitar and sang for my kids uh, at night. You know, it's kind of like my version of the bedtime story. And uh, so they, uh, they're very interested in that. They both sing in key, which is great. Um, they're both been exposed to pretty much the same music, everything from blues to classic rock to heavy metal to southern rock, and uh, they're each showing their own tastes now. My 
my five-year-old daughter leans towards uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash with her request, <laughs> and my son asks for a little bit more Stones and Molly Hatchet. So yeah. it's all good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, Ed asked you about your favorite f- top five guitar players. I want to ask you about just in general, growing up, whatever. Give me your top three bands that inspired you to do what you were doing today. Top three bands, man. Um, I, you know, I gotta say Skinnerd. I gotta say Black Sabbath. And another big one for me was the Cult. And I think if you listen to what we do and you listen to all three of those bands, you kind of understand where a lot of it comes from. Those are three very different bands. You got a southern rock, a classic metal band, and a sort of a uh, um, a blues bass. But you know the, the the cult, the cult, especially the the Rick Rubin records, like uh, you know, like Electric or whatever. Uh, those are those are kind of over the top blues influenced, Stones influenced type of rock records. And uh, you know that that's where I was at. You know, I I. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to Southern Rock and Hard Rock and Heavy Metal. And that's, uh, so those three bands I'll mention today, but tomorrow I could tell you it was Iron Maiden, Charlie Day, <laughs> and the Beatles, you know? Right. <laughs> yep. It's one of those questions that could be different depending on the mood I'm in. Well, know? we were, we were, we, me and Ed were discussing this prior to the show, and hey, for the last three days I had that CD, I've been trying to figure out what sound, who, who's the sounds you guys, you know, who, what, it's a familiar sound, it's a good sound, but it's like, man, who do I compare them to? And everybody you just listed has crossed my mind. I mean, it, cool. it, it is... You get it then, brother. <laughs> yeah. We were, I was like, man, you know, I, I added a little Rawlings in there, and I was like, man, you know, he, he's got the raspiness, the band's got the grit, but it, yet the Stones, I definitely thought some Leonard Skinner was in there, and it, it was... Yep. Uh, it's pretty amazing to just hear that. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play another sample of a song here. This is number 10 on the album, Under the Cover of Darkness. Cool. Woman's eyes 
their cover of darkness on the Double E podcast. Here with Mark Dutta, the co-founder of The Handful. Uh, hey, Mark, if people wanted to get in contact with you to book a show, how could they go about, uh, or to even know about the latest about the band, uh, where could they go? Uh, well, we got our website, which is www.thehandful.com. Um, that's the easiest place to go to, because down at the bottom, we'll have icons to link you over to uh, our Facebook page, uh, which is, I think, about 25,000 strong now, our uh and our various social media accounts, Reverb Nation, everything else, we've got a contact tab and a, and a shows tab on our website. So uh, we, try and, uh, we try our best to stay connected that way. Yeah. Hey, hey coming up, what kind of shows you guys got coming up? Um, we're, we're, we're getting ready to announce our shows now. We, as I mentioned, we have a September 18th CD release. So um, we're going to be doing a record release party in the city. Um, I don't have the details of it yet, um, and then we'll branch out from there. Um, last time we did shows um, up and down the East Coast, and we also did a couple of shows in Europe, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing really depends upon, uh, unfortunately, it depends to a certain extent uh, upon the money, so that, uh, you know, whether or not <laughs> we come to somebody's hometown, uh, depending it depends upon whether or not there's a promoter there that's willing to book us. So yeah. um, I would say to the fans, just um, you know, stay in touch. Uh, call your radio stations and request the hell out of it. And uh, you know, if you know uh, if there's a place you like to go and watch music, uh, you know, uh, drop our name. You know, because uh, we, we get calls that way. And uh, it's a really that's really the way it works for a band like us. You know. Um, uh, we're also going to try and do some festivals and things like that. Um, we've been offered a couple of opening slots on national tours. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that, you know, so far we've turned down, uh, again, for money reasons. You know, we have families and, you know, there's, uh, you know, there, there's a certain uh, standard of living we're accustomed to. Put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, but we'll see. We, we, hope, uh, we hope that everybody that wants to see us will have a chance to. But... The best way to find out about the upcoming shows is to just hit our website, hit our Facebook page, and uh, uh, we'll be promoting them on there. But I don't have any specific dates to announce yet today just because the record's not out. Yeah. Now, speaking of the release party, uh, if you know, if you like, uh, you can send two tickets. To you know, me and Terry, we can fly out Southwest. I don't mind. I'll fly coach. <laughs> right. no, I, that would be my pleasure. No problem. <laughs> you know, you don't have to put us in a hotel. We can crash at your house. Okay. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'd love to see you guys on the road, no doubt. Oh, now let's talk about uh, the music industry right now. Uh, how do you I me personally I think that if you don't fit a certain look or a certain way that, that record companies or that, that record stations just don't play you uh, do you agree with that or or I mean how do you how do you look at the record industry yeah I, well listen it, it's not what it used to be I mean it used to be that you know you could even with the first record we put out in 04, things were different. You know, you could put out a, a CD if it got good airplay and if people went out and bought it. Um, you know, you can make a decent living from it. Uh, 
now it's different, and it's, and it's not just because of the piracy. It's because of the the fact that most people download music instead of buying it, buying it physically. The margins for the albums are, uh, for the songs and uh, and for the records are pretty low right now. So it's you know, in other words, if somebody went out and bought a CD even ten years ago, um, we make a few dollars from it. If somebody goes on iTunes and downloads the record, you know, we might make a quarter. You know, so it, 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 it's become more difficult um, to sustain, you know, the same sort of income level. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's opened up more opportunities for uh, uh, bands to put out, uh, put out records independently of labels. Whereas in the past, you know, if, if some guy in a suit sitting behind a desk didn't believe in your music, you'd never get to put a record out. Now... You know, a lot of that's been disintermediated so that there's a lot of independent labels, there's a lot of bands going direct to market with their own records, and so you do have the ability to get it out there easier than you could in the past. It just it requires more sales volume to make the same money. So we try and make up for that by offering, like this album is going to be offered on vinyl. That's the format that people want to hear, especially from a record like this. And we can make a few dollars on that. We still sell CDs, so we can make a few dollars on that. We, we, we push our merchandise, you know, uh, shirts and stuff like that, and we try and make up the difference there. So, um, you know, that, that, that's part of it. The other, the other part of it is that, you know, record labels, even when they're signing bands, they don't give you big advances the way they used to, where you could take forever to make a record and live high on the hog. And, you know, they give you the budget in advance. Um, it's not that way anymore. You know, the, the, the upfront financial risk that labels are willing to take in the band is a lot less than it used to be. The variety of music as a result is a lot less than it used to be. But artists are empowered to get their own music out if they need to. So um, I just think it is what it is. You know, whether I complain about it or praise it, it doesn't change anything. <laughs> so it's just a matter of finding a way to fit in and, what Jay and I like to say is we're just trying to keep the habit going. So in other words, we try and have one record do well enough so that we get to make another one. And if, as long as we keep that habit going, we're happy, you know, and so, so far, so good with that. Well, I tell you, this one definitely should, should definitely help you out in that category. Um, I hope so, brother. I hope so. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. We're going to open it up for pre-orders in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, from iTunes and for the physical product as well, and that'll give us a good indication on uh, how much to manufacture and, uh, you know, how much money we have to tour with and all that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of that will flesh out for us in the next month or so, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Man, the reaction to the record's been great, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'm encouraged. Hey, on your merchandise, your shirts and all of that stuff, is, is that is that on uh, going to be on your website? It's not on our website right now because we don't we don't have it up there right now. We sold out of all our merchandise from uh, all of our wooden Indian themed merchandise. And the Sons of Downtown merch isn't up there yet, um, so it, that'll be up there in the next month. Also, um, we're also going to get some uh, regular. Our, our, we have a pretty cool logo, at least I think. So we're going to get some just basic logo tees and trucker hats up there too. But um, you can expect to see the whole website and everything relaunched within the next month or so um, as some of the downtown comes out. 
Yeah. Cool. I would definitely get a shirt. I, I guarantee you that. As soon as it's up yeah, there. Yeah, send me you guys info, info and sizes and all that, and I'll make sure you guys get hooked up. Oh, dude, no, I'll buy it yeah. from you, man. <laughs> no, 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 I'll get it. I'll, I'll go on the website and, and, and actually purchase it. Uh, uh. No problem at all. <laughs> hey, I need to, hey, if I do that, then you get money, and then I get another uh, podcast promoting album number five. Uh, Sons of Double E or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope like hell, man. Because this record took so long for us to get to market, we've never stopped the recording session. So in other words, we recorded this record, we kept on recording while we shopped it and tried to find labels to partner with and everything else. So we're about halfway done with the next record. Oh, wow, so cool. So it shouldn't be as much of a wait between four and five. That <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Well, uh, we've kept people waiting long enough. We're going to go ahead and play uh, Book of Lies. Okay? Uh, this is Book right. of Lies on Double E Podcast. this song to me because I love this song. This is this is so cool. Uh, in my back I feel the sting of the steely knives. In my face I see a waste of a human life. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was kind of pissed when I wrote that. <laughs> put, the, put the truth in your book of lies. That is... Yeah. That's Edgar yeah. Allan Poe-ish. Yeah, okay. that is. That's almost poetic there. <laughs> Was, uh, was that from an argument? I'm sorry? Was that from an argument? Oh, man, I couldn't, I can't hear you. I said, was that during an argument or something? 
Can you hear me? Oh, please tell me. Uh, I can hear you, but I'm having trouble understanding what you're saying. What, what oh. was that last question? No, I said, was that from an argument? Were you arguing with someone? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, um, you know, a component to, to, to some of the sounds on the record is sort of that pissed off boots to the head rock and roll thing. And that one has to do with um, basically Jay and I dealing with the amount of time wasters we've dealt with uh, <laughs> over the years. So for me, it was, you know, Every time you're getting ready to put out another record, every time you you know you let a new guy in the the fold to jam with you, anytime you know you let that happen, there's there's always sort of big promises, what we're going to do for you, all the yes. big things that are going to come next, and uh, and 99.9 percent of it is bullshit. So sometimes you got to get the anger out a little bit, and uh, it's all about keeping your own expectations well managed, so you don't put yourself in a position for other people to let you down, but. Yeah, that song was an uh, emotional purge that I needed after uh, a couple of years of bullshit. So. Yeah, <laughs> glad I, you feel me on that one. Oh. Uh, when when I first heard that song, you know, it's amazing to me because I grew up in the '80s there. So for uh, you know the, the the metal bands that I listened to, there was always a meaning behind each song. You know, the Anthrax, all of those guys. There's always something there. And this album really did, it, honestly, it felt like I was back in my childhood listening to that stuff. And it, it, it's amazing to me. I can feel your guys' passion. Uh, man, this is just an all-around really, really good album. Thank you very much, brother. We, we tried to trim the fat, like I said. We try and, uh, you know, you want, you want this flow together well and you definitely want to trim the fat all killer no filler is is, is always the goal <laughs> well man uh we're running we're run, we're running out of time here mark it's been a pleasure to have you on awesome uh i'm gonna get you a copy of this podcast you'll have it later on today this podcast will be up um probably in a couple of hours all right. Oh. I, yeah, I wish you so much luck, man. Uh, thank you. When you get the shirts, I am buying one. Um, yeah, man, thank you for taking time out, being on the Double E Podcast. The music's fabulous. I uh, learned a lot about the band. And, man, I hope record sales are crazy off of this. So, man. Thanks, man. Mad love and respect back at you guys. We appreciate it. You know, we can't... Uh we can't do what we do if it's not for folks like you. So thanks for helping me keep the habit going, you know? Yeah. Hey. Stay in touch. All right, man. Oh, I definitely will, man. After I post it, probably about three or four days later, I'll tell you uh, how we're doing, okay? Um, cool. I have, like, regular listeners in uh, Sweden, in Germany, uh, the U.K. So, I mean... These songs are going to get out there. So, yeah. Appreciate that, brother. Hey, man, no problem. Thank you for taking time out. Uh, that was Mark Dutta of The Handful with his brand new CD, Sons of Downtown, which will be available to you September 19th. But I got it now. And we're going <laughs> to Turn it up. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to go out with Bow Down. Thank you once again, Mark, man. 
Thank All you. All right, thanks, fellas. I'll uh, talk to you. Be good. Okay, you too. thanks. Bye. Your favor, one